And I feel like there's a mission behind my music. I feel like there's a reason that I write these songs and there's a reason that people hear them in certain seasons. And that's really important to me. And I love connecting with people. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, hey, this is Brie Noble, and you are tuned in to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by my free Musician's Profit Path Masterclass, the five-stage blueprint for creating massive growth in your fan base and sustainable income for your music career. If you feel overwhelmed by everything you think you need to do for your music career, or you've watched other musicians and tried to do what they're doing, but it hasn't worked for you, well, don't worry. That's why I created the five stages of music career growth. So you can figure out where you're at right now, learn exactly what you should be focusing on and what you shouldn't be focusing on so you don't waste time and money. I also give you benchmarks to reach in several key areas like live performing, fan base growth, social media, recording, and more. So join me for my free masterclass, The Musician's Profit Path, over at musiciansprofitpath.com. Today, I'm interviewing one of my favorite indie artists, Jen Bostick. She came onto my radar, oh, back in the early days of Women of Substance Radio, and I always loved her music. What I love about it is it is not predictable. She, you know, she follows her heart in the kinds of music that she creates. And she does talk about that in our interview today. So let me tell you a little bit about Jen Bostick. Jen Bostick is a pop gospel soul artist based in Nashville, Tennessee. Her new album, Revival, produced by six-time Grammy Award winner Paul Salveson, was released in May of 2018. She is currently nominated for International Touring Artist of the Year International Album of the Year and International Song of the Year at the British Country Music Association Awards. Here is my inspiring interview with Jen Bostick. So that's a little bit about Jen Bostick. So Jen, is there anything about you that's a little more unique, um, personal, something that's not in your bio that you think our listeners should know? You know, I think that when you're writing a bio, it's nice to uh, always kind of talk about the highlights, just like we see on social media. Everybody's kind of playing their highlight reel, but uh, it's been a struggle. I've been an independent artist for the last decade. So that comes with a lot of challenges that comes with how am I going to pay for my next record that comes with, you know, am I really doing the right thing with my life? And so I think that the, the struggle part of it, I really played into on my brand new album revival. I vulnerably shared my heart in a song called Faint of Heart. And it's been really beautiful the way that people connected with that song and also started to share their stories of, you know, this is whatever career they're in. Like, this is my dream. This is how I'm chasing it. And it's not easy. It's not all, you know, glitz and glam. There's a lot of hard work and pain that goes into it as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one reason I wanted to create this show because obviously we can't be saying those things in our bio. We have to sound like a true professional and everything, <laughs> right. we've got everything, you know, I was all working like clockwork over here, but in the background, we're like a mess, you know, so, but we can't, we can't put that out there. So that's one reason I wanted to create this show is to be able to let artists share like what's really going on in the background so that people that are just starting out or that are in a, one of those struggling spots can hear that and be like, okay, I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. You know, this is a normal experience for an artist and I will get through this. So thank you for sharing that. And we'll get a little more into that in a minute, but I wanted to find out just your background on how you got started in music and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Music has always been a big part of my life. My parents were both big supporters of the arts. I unfortunately lost my dad, like my bio says, in a car accident. And so that like songwriting was my therapy. So I, I started kind of performing when I was young, just for the family. You know, anytime my parents would have people over, I would, you know, want to sing a little song or I'd write these random little musicals and perform them for my mom. And so it's always been in me, but I think that kind of going through the trauma of loss that really pushed me into needing to write songs. And it, it became less of a thing I wanted to do and more of a thing I had to do in order to move forward with my it's just, you know, my outlet, my, mm. what I can do to move forward. And so that's after I lost my dad, that really kind of music became it for me. And, uh, I wanted to study it. I wanted to know everything about it. I did music education. I studied music education in college. And that was because I, I saw how much music had helped me and I, I could help somebody else figure that out for themselves. I really wanted to do that. And I loved Kind of, I was the dance captain of show choir, so I wanted to. I love that leadership role of bringing things together and seeing them come to life. So I have used it a little bit, but uh, upon graduation, I decided that I had to. I had to go for performance and record some albums, and that's where I'm at now. Mm, it's interesting that you you kind of approached it almost from music being your therapy in the beginning, and that's why you wanted to pursue it. Absolutely, and it remains <laughs> it's still my <laughs> therapy for sure. But obviously you, you knew at this point you had talent and you had studied music enough to know that this, it wasn't just therapy. Like you could actually use that therapy and create a career out of it. Yeah. I think since I lost my dad so young, I think I was figuring out it out at that time, but now I've kind of realized, you know, the songs that I'm writing are connecting because they're honest and they're, you know, I'm writing from what I know. And so that's very real. And so people are connecting with that and that's given me the confidence to continue to do that and pull for, pull at things that maybe are difficult for people to talk about. Just like you said, you know, you want people to know that they're not alone. And that's what I needed to know in so many seasons of my life. And that's what my songs remind me. Mm, that's awesome. So at this point, do you consider yourself a full-time musician or do you have some other kind of side hustles and things that you use to bring in the bills? It is full-time, full-time Ooh. music, which I'm grateful for. I play a lot of shows each year and uh, I work really hard to book them myself. And it's, uh, it's been a beautiful thing. I'm really grateful. Wow. You book them all yourself. We'll talk about that in a minute for sure. But I was looking at your website and yeah, you're playing like all over the place. I mean, one day <laughs> you're right. playing in California and the next day you're playing in Minnesota and then you're in Florida. I'm like, wow. Thank you. It's, you know, you go where the opportunities are and thankfully there are, there have been more and more opportunities that have come up where people are reaching out to me asking if I'm available for things, but I'm still mm -hmm. the one 
writing up those contracts and dealing with all the details. So that's me. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's, I get it. I get it. You're your own manager so far, Yep. which is definitely admirable and it is a lot of work. So, um, we have a lot of people that listen to this show that are struggling artists. So I'd love to hear a story or two for you, um, of times that you were really struggling and hitting a wall and feeling like, Oh, maybe I should give up this music thing. It's a pipe dream. You know, it's not going anywhere and how you push through that and what you learned. Absolutely. I don't think that feeling of, Oh man, maybe I'm not doing the right thing. Maybe it's a pipe dream. I don't think that ever really fully goes away. <laughs> mm-hmm. I get that a lot from yeah. people that ask this question. But uh, there, there are a few times, a few moments that I was really encouraged by my circumstances. Uh, before I really had any sort of success in the music industry, I had recorded my first album, Keep Looking for Love. And I was, I kind of went through some different label meetings that didn't go in my favor. And there was so, a lot of comments saying I was too pop for country and too country for pop and that I didn't really fit in a box and they didn't know what to do with me. And uh, I remember sitting at my kitchen table in Nashville, just praying saying, and I've always relied, you know, very heavily on my faith, but I just remember praying saying, Lord, I have done everything I know how to do. And like, it's got to be up to you now. And like, you've got to open a door if this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. And if it's not take the desire away from me, you know, that was a very specific, very passionate prayer that I prayed. And I, it must've been three months later, somebody found jealous of the angels on YouTube sent it to a radio station. And within a month it had gone number one on the songwriter charts in the UK. Wow. Yes. Totally out of my hands. You know, it just, it it happened and I am so grateful. And I do remember that, that very specific prayer that I feel like led me there. Wow. That's, that's awesome. So at that point, I mean, somebody just found it, like you didn't go out and do a PR campaign and that kind of stuff. Did, did that come after? It did. So I released the song. I did a very simple, the Jealous of the Angels music video. It was very simple, very low budget in my hometown. And I recorded the song because it was special to me, not because I thought it was a hit song. Mm. And I just started playing it out more and more. So it was, the album was promoted a little bit, but just as much as, you know, I was able to do with my small budget. And then I had no idea that anyone in England would find it. It was a woman named Tracy Harlow and she found the video at random. Didn't tell me she was sending it to the station. Didn't reach out. She just did it. And then I found out on Twitter that the station had played it. I thought maybe it was an internet radio station. I had no idea what smooth radio was at the time. Mm. And um, I was just grateful that anybody was listening to my song. And then come to find out it was one of the most popular stations in Europe. And uh, there was a really big reaction. It went to uh, the top 10 requested songs that week. And from there, BBC Radio 2 and BBC Breakfast. So it was a crazy thing that I had. I hadn't even attempted to you know, do anything in Europe. I would always had a dream of that. I loved going over there and performing over there. But I didn't know even the first thing about how to do that. And so after radio success, I put a, a team together. Thankfully, I, I had a publisher at the time who really really helped figure out who I needed to get on board. And, and that was, that was that. And the next thing I know it was, I was flying over there, performing over there and getting to play it at the Opry when I came back. So very grateful. 
Wow. Yeah. That's when I think I discovered you is maybe after that. And you had, you know, done some PR then for the song in the U S yeah. And man, I was like, this is just a great, a great song. I remember I picked it up right away for the station. Oh, thank you. And I do, I had this question here, like, how did you get so popular in the UK? I think you just explained that. And you <laughs> obviously must have continued to nurture those relationships over there over the years. Cause I see you winning all kinds of awards over there and Yes, it's been amazing. I have continued to go back a few times each year. And I do think that, especially with art, where go where you're celebrated, you know, go where the art is appreciated. And not that it's not appreciated in the States, but it's a different caliber there. And so I have continued to just make that a priority. And yes, I feel really grateful. I won the International Touring Artist of the Year for the British Country Music Association Awards last year. And I'm nominated for three this year. And I'm actually hosting this year with my friend Gary Quinn. So that's going to be happening at the end of November. And we'll see. I'm up for international touring artist again. And then also international album and international song of the year. So we'll see. That's awesome. I've heard that country is kind of having a resurgence in in the UK a lot. And I don't really think of you as country, but I guess you have a country, you know, twinge, maybe country pop. Yeah. Do you, you know, find that it's it's really have, having a resurgence in, in the UK? It is. Country music is for sure kind of having this, this brand new life in England. And um, it's amazing to see that. I am with you. I don't necessarily identify, I don't even think I identify with any specific genre, which has been my greatest asset and curse, I think, mm-hmm. <laughs> in this business. And uh, that's been kind of my issue with the industry, kind of there's, I'm all over the map. And as an artist that I create and I'm inspired by lots of different things. And so that's just been a natural thing for me that my fans have grown to love. Like I get a lot of comments to the degree of, well, we never know what we're going to, you're going to do next. And that Mm -hmm. we love that. We never know what the album's going to be next. And it's been uh, exciting to, to kind of just do what I love to do and see that there are people in this world that appreciate it, appreciate it. And it does have a home, you know? Yeah, definitely. So over the years, what has been like one of the most mind blowing things that's ever happened to you where you're like, oh my gosh, uh, pinch me. Is this really happening? Am I really here? So last year at the BCMA Awards, I got the chance to perform two songs acoustically. And I, it was just to be nominated for an award at all is just amazing to me. It's very humbling. And I remember performing my first song and it was right after intermission and I was one of the only acts that performed acoustically and I was asked to perform acoustically because I there was a house band and they said we'd really like you it should just be you and your piano and I said okay which you know when when there's a band you're not necessarily competing with but you're hearing a big sound and then all of a sudden it drops to just acoustic sometimes that can be difficult especially right after intermission so mm. I thought oh man this we'll see you know this, this could go terribly wrong but here we go And the second I started singing, the room, it was one of those magical moments that hardly ever happens. So it was so special, but the whole room was just hushed. Mm. And like, you know, they were in every moment. And as a singer and a writer, when you have those moments of, you know, big moments in the song where your vocal goes to a certain point that stretches you and you have to work so hard to hit that note and then you do it and it, you know, people have a reaction to that in the moment of the song that happened for me in those in that song and that which was love you which is on my new record 
Mm. And then I sang Jails to the Angels and I got a standing ovation that wouldn't quit. Like they just kept standing. And like I had to go back on stage and bow again, which those moments don't happen for me. So when they do, <laughs> it's like, you know, just unbelievable. So I thought to myself, this was before I was awarded the, the international touring artist. I th- thought, oh my goodness, I don't even care if I win. Because like <laughs> that moment was like, that gave was me the so win. much life. Yeah, that was yeah. the win. So those are, that was a moment that just was so special to me that I'll never forget that feeling. And then performing on the Opry for the first time. I don't even remember what happened in those, you know, six mm. minutes because I was, it was just a dream, you know? So mm. that was incredible as well. There's been a lot of highlights and I'm really grateful for all of them. Yeah, I think that's cool. You know, sometimes like all the applause and stuff we can get is not even as cool as when people shut up and listen right, to you. Sing. Right. You know what I mean? Like when you can hear a pin drop, you know, you have them. They're in like the palm of your hand right now. And they're just with you. That to me, that is even more affirming than applause. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm, that's awesome. Um, so I know that you've had some uh, some of your music licensed places, what kinds of licensing placements have you gotten and how did you find them? So most of the like, I guess if you want to call it licensing situations have been other people covering jealous of the angels. So that mm. I know that's not necessarily like a TV film licensing, but there's a woman named Donna Taggart and she lives in Ireland. She recorded my song and it, got over 10 million views on Facebook and it wow. just went totally, I think it might even be more than that at this point, but it was, it went completely viral and she was, she is just this unbelievably sweet girl. And she's invited me to perform the song with her on her big tours. So singing that with her as a duet at the Dublin concert hall to mm. about 800 people with them singing it back to us. That was also in one of those, those dream moments where you're thinking, is this really my life? What's happening right now? Oh, so that, that was amazing. And then also Nathan Carter, who has been the entertainer of the year in Ireland for, I don't know how many years he also covered the song. And then most recently a woman named Catherine Jenkins in England covered the song and she just took it to number one on the classical charts over there. So that has been just a really beautiful thing to see. And it's been through, I think just releasing the song, having people react to the song and then Donna releasing the song, people reacting, and it's kind of become this domino chain. And I, I hope it continues to be recorded by many other artists. I recorded it about seven years ago now, so it's beautiful that other artists are giving it new life. And I, you know, it's such a special song to me about my dad that if I can, you know, help others continue to find comfort in their mourning, it's it's amazing. It doesn't matter to me who's singing it, you know. <laughs> That's really cool. Do you also do co-writing with other people? Does that get you, you know, kind of some songs out there? In yes, the absolutely. Yeah. And Jealous of the Angels is actually a co-write with Zach Runquist and Jimmy Fortune. And mm. so it's been really neat to share that, all of that experience and success with them. And then there's probably one of the biggest examples is of co-writing is uh, an artist named Daphne Willis. Oh, yes. I had her on yeah. a year ago. I was thinking of that. I was hoping Yes. So we wrote a song called Somebody, Someone, and it had its moment for sure. And it's been helping people around the world deal with mental health and just mm-hmm. even, you know, raise awareness of mental health. And it's been really beautiful to see her just blossom and to take that song into the world. And 
I feel really grateful I even got to be a part of it, you know? So, and it was such a personal day for us when we wrote that song. It has very special meaning for both of us. So that was really beautiful to see her release that. And um, also another artist, Sarah Darling, I write with. She's a great friend of mine. Who I also interviewed. (laughs) Oh, good. Yes, I love Sarah. So we wrote a song called Montmartre, which is a place in France, in Paris. And it's a this beautiful overlooking the city. And it's a song about a love affair between the city and the sunrise. And um, she recorded a music video for the song in Paris, in the spot. And I got to be there. So that was a beautiful moment. And I think those, those little highlights in life, you know, where you think, we created this song randomly in, you know, my living room. And here we are like filming a music video for it in another country. It's just mm. those moments are really special. And to get to do it with your friends, you know, yeah. both Daphne and Sarah are people that I love spending time with and creating music with. That's, that's very cool. I love to hear those kinds of stories. So let's talk about booking. Since you do all of your booking, what are your favorite kind of gigs to book? And have you ever, you know, brought anybody else on to help you with booking or have you always done it? You know, I love the variety of gigs that I've had over the years. I don't know that there's necessarily a favorite. Um, I do love theaters. There's a really a different vibe in a theater. And also I've played a lot of wineries and there's mm-hmm. just this, this neat vibe that happens in those type of places. But I love, love house concerts. I do a lot of those. Um, I've played, you know, anywhere from rock clubs to little cafes to big stages like the Opry. So I'm really grateful for the variety. I don't know that I have necessarily a, a favorite, but uh, booking, I have had a few tours that were booked by companies for, you know, a month at a time. Um, but as far as having like an agent, it just hasn't, the opportunity hasn't presented itself yet. So. I would love to have some help because I feel like it it eats up a lot of my time and I would love to spend that time creatively. But I also have control over where I get to go and how long I get to stay and all of those things when I'm in charge. So there's pros and cons to both. Yeah, definitely. Um, And how do you like to engage with fans online? Like what is your favorite, your mode or your channel of engaging with them? Social media is such an amazing platform that it's it's nice to get to have one-on-one chats with fans or friends you know that I feel like over over time as you keep doing shows in their city I've, I've stayed at so many people's houses and crashed on so many couches I feel like I have friends all over the world not necessarily fans you know mm. but it's it's a, a beautiful thing to get to stay connected with people around the world which is why I try to be very active on my social media and I try to get back to all all the messages that come in Instagram and Facebook are probably the two that I use most, but it's, uh, I try, I try to use as many of them as possible. And then I try to send out newsletters, just keep people updated. I think it's, you know, just as you would kind of check in on a friend, I kind of check in and say, Hey, here's what's going on. You know, like it's, I think it's a nice thank you for people that have been so supportive over the years. Yeah, definitely. How do you, do you have any tips for helping social media not feel like a grind? Because I feel like a lot of the the artists that I work with, they feel like it's more of a burden than a blessing. I think it's important to remember that without people who are supporting our music, we don't have, you know, a, a job. Right. <laughs> and right. Um, I think that 
we have to remember, you know, like the fact that one person is even listening to our song, like that there was a moment and that it was like the biggest deal in the world, you know? It's and true. for me, I, I, I do constantly go back to that because I, I have so many songs that, you know, don't see the light of day as well. And the fact that some of them have and people react and, you know, the stories I've heard about how songs have gotten people through this or that, whether it's even not necessarily, you know, a really heavy song, just like a fun love song could have met somebody in the right moment. And I feel like there's a mission behind my music. I feel like there's a reason that I write these songs and there's a reason that people hear them in certain seasons. And that's really important to me. And I love connecting with people about the music and about, you know, I, even hearing their music that they're writing. And, you know, I've gotten a lot of people who reach out and say, hey, will you take a look at this? And what do you think? And that, that's, to me, that collaboration is just exciting to meet people. You could be talking to somebody all the way across the world, you know, but you're, it's because of the internet. It, it's all right there. It is an amazing tool that we certainly didn't have, you know, right? 15, 20 years ago, for sure, that it, I think it's really opened up everything. Oh, yeah, for sure. So let's talk about your streams of income. I always ask this question since it's the female entrepreneur musician. Um, you know, can you give people an idea of the breakdown of your income? Like just in general, like how much of it comes from touring and performing, how much from merch, how much from licensing and any other, you know, things that kind of make it all up. I, I feel like as musicians, we really have to have this patchwork of income to make a, a career. Yeah. For I know it's different for everybody. And I think one of my strengths has been touring. And so that's where most of my income is coming from. I would say maybe 70% of my income is from performing shows. So I'm, but again, you, as you saw on my website, I mean, I'm playing all the time and I love playing. And I know that for some people, they prefer the recording side of it, you know? Um, but for me, it's always been about the live. And so that would, that covers a lot of it. Um, merch is a big, big thing as well, but I would say more so, uh, live in person, physical albums and t-shirts and things like that than mm. digital copies because of their, because of streaming and things like that. I don't think people are downloading as much as they once were. I agree. At least my stuff. <laughs> no, no, I agree across the board. Yeah. And so I would say those are the main things. And then with other artists covering my songs or artists recording and performing songs that we've written together. That's a very small stream for me yet. Um, although with kind of these new international opportunities with Jealous of the Angels, it takes about 18 months for me to see any royalties from mm. the time a song comes out. So that could change. And it does have seasons where that is a bigger, you know, income stream for me. But most of the time touring is my number one. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I'd love to find out something about your new release. What what kind of went into that, and what's what's exciting you right now about this new release? Well, I released my new album revival in May, and I it was a little bit of a scary situation for me. So I worked with an incredible manager and an amazing publisher for about five years. And we are still great friends to this day. But right before recording this new album, which is probably about two years ago now, I decided that I wanted to do something that was a little bit different than the vision we had originally had. 
And that was to record music that was bluesy, was rootsy, was raw, felt very live, felt maybe not as many, you know, processed instrument or, you know, created instruments, synth instruments. I wanted to use live people in the studio feeding off of one another. Now, not necessarily a commercial thing to do as far as pop goes, Mm -hmm. but it was where my heart has always been. And uh, I love artists like Bonnie Raitt and Sesky Trucks and that really bluesy, rootsy stuff. So I got together with some really close friends who kind of pulled that blues soul out of me. And I just wrote for like six months. And I'm so proud of the record that we ended up creating together. I, the creative director at my church, his name is Paul Salveson, and he has He's won six Grammys for various things over the years, and he's a great friend of mine. So I just said, let's do this album together. And my brother played bass guitar on it. My great friend, Bart Walker, wrote a bunch of the songs with me and played guitar on it. And it was just everything that I wanted to record. You know, it felt like so authentic in the studio. It felt like this is what I was meant to be doing. And a lot of times... I can listen to previous albums or previous recordings and be very critical of myself and maybe the choices that we made together. And when I put revival on it, it's what I wanted, Mm -hmm. you know, like whether the decisions are what someone else might like that, you know, that's to be determined. But for me, we did it exactly the way I wanted to, and I wouldn't change a thing. And it still brings me so much joy to put that album on and just listen to it, which is, kind of a rare thing for me. I feel like it's easy for me to just kind of be critical of what I've done and how I could have done it better. But this time I just feel like we did it. We enjoyed the moment. We enjoyed the process and it, we captured a moment in time. That's an amazing feeling for sure that like you don't have any regrets. Right. And, you know, being that your previous music was maybe a little more commercial and, and um, dialed in or, how have how have your fans responded to this new album the fans love it which has Mm. been really encouraging uh i haven't had the same radio support that i had with the previous albums but it the live performances they feel better i feel like i i wrote for my voice Mm. and so everything feels very natural and and easy when i sing it and it's showcasing my voice in the way that i want it to be showcased and so the fans are feeding off that. And they, I did a hometown release show in my hometown of Waconia, Minnesota back in June. And so many people said, you know, like, this is what we heard you start singing when you were, you know, 15, 16 years old. So it's amazing that you've come full circle and you're doing what you were initially doing, you know, what, wow. what feels natural. So that was really encouraging. And it just, it's out, and it's got a little bit of a gospel flair as well. And I grew up singing in church. So it, it feels, it just feels right, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, absolutely. And the song Revival is amazing. And I think we'll Thank be you. playing that on Women of Substance right around awesome. the time it comes out. So uh, excited about uh, adding that to our one of our playlists. Um, it's been really great to get all this information from you. As I said, when we were talking before, like I've been a fan for, gosh, it's been almost 10 years now, I feel. Like when did You're you start? So Seven sweet. years ago? Uh, I start, I moved to Nashville about 10 years ago. So my first record, yeah, it probably came out about 10. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Well, let our listeners know how they can connect with you online and, um, you know, just what, what they should look for you in the future. Yes, I am on 
all the social platforms, uh, usually just the backslash Jen Bostic. And then my website is jenbostic.com. That's J-E-N-N-B-O-S-T-I-C. And I am always looking to, looking to chat and connect with fans. So I would love to hear from people. And I can't say too much about it now, but mm-hmm. I do have a new project in the works. And I'm really Don't we always as artists, uh, right? Yes, yes. So it's, uh, it'll probably come out sooner rather than later. So keep an eye out for that. But I will continue to push the revival record as well. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to keep sharing with the world. Cool. And you guys definitely connect with her. She loves house concerts. So maybe she'll come to your town. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Jen. We really appreciate all your insight and just opening up all the experiences that you've had as an artist, good and bad for our listeners today. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com with editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.